90s I was in a very famous TV show Untitled Bojack Bojack Horseman Project This is the intro Welcome back to Untitled Bojack Horseman Project. This is episode four, where we will be discussing season four of, you guessed it, Bojack Horseman. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by my intrepid co-host, who is hopefully not drugging my coffee. I don't even drink coffee. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Don't worry. I've I've put the weight loss powder into other drinks that yes. we'll be consuming, not just the coffee. Right. Great. We're in different locations, so if you've pulled that <laughs> off, I have further questions. So it's it's season four. I was maybe a little controversial last week when I said I thought season three was better than season... No, season two was better than season three. I think we're probably in agreement. Season four fucking rips, and it's yeah. the best one so far. Yeah, I, yeah. The only thing is I can't remember whether or not I think five is better than four. I think like, it's four and five are the ones yeah. that are in contention, but we'll find that out for sure next week. But what we know for sure is I think four so far of our four is the best one. Yeah, um, four is kind of incredible. Four is yeah. like like three seasons of it bubbling along, kind of like making a statement for being like one of the best shows on TV. Mm. Whereas I think this is the one where you're like, oh no, this this might be the best show on TV. Which, I mean, it's 2017, so this is also the same year as Twin Peaks, The Return, and The mm. Leftovers, the final season. So, like, it's it has some stiff competition in terms of, like, what else is up there. But I do think that, like, the general consensus was in 2017 that, like, BoJack is probably in, like, a top five. Like, if you're doing a top ten list... Bojack has to be kind of like on or around it, and yeah. it, it, it it steps up from just a surprisingly sharp and witty comedy that occasionally does some heavy stuff to like it's just so well like the just no qualifiers of it being for animation or oh it's funny and then it does this it's just straight up one of the best written shows um yeah. just i'm intrigued now where on metacritic's like best shows of 2017 yeah. list it, it did end up it's just yeah like i mean while you're doing that just like so many like long form narratives that they pull off while keeping it fully episodic as you know as you will get into when we play our favorite game uh i say that about three of the segments and i think there are about five segments but yeah there will be one where you will discuss that um yeah so remaining fully episodic while also yeah weaving these longer stories some of which you sneak up on you and you didn't realize i mean we know now but on first watch you didn't even realize we're playing out in front of you and it's also like really light on bojack um, yeah, the, the entire first episode he is not in, and he's when he is in the episodes he's only in like less than half of them, and and maybe even less than less than half, you know. <laughs> like, and I think that's like a a test that a lot of shows try and pass and fail is: can you build a strong enough supporting cast and an interesting enough world that you don't need your you know titular character to like wear every hat and carry us and it they they pass that test because there's so much going on here and and it's, you know a lot of it is you know still wrapped around bojack like the hollyhock and his mother stuff like takes up a lot of screen time and that is all a bojack story but yeah it's something i think of when i did the matt signal for entertherealworld.com which is now launching as its own thing stay tuned and i remarked on how 
later episodes of Batman the Animated Series that they have, you know, they made Batgirl really interesting and they, you know, that they were able to do these stories where Batman can be pulled back a little bit and that makes it all even more interesting. But yeah, a, a season dominated by a Bojack storyline that Bojack is barely in. <laughs> yeah, and I'd, I feel like it's going to make it very complicated for us to talk about the actual like best episodes ah. of the season when we get to it, but... But that is a conversation for like after we've done all of our little things. Um, yeah. I'm just I'm just revisiting 2017 in TV now, and I'm sure. like, boy, was this like the end of an era in a lot mm-hmm. of ways? Because mm-hmm. like it's the Good Place, uh, Twin Peaks, as I said, The Leftovers, Legion's first season is 2017. Mm. The Halt and Catch Fire, I think, is wrapping up. Better Call Saul is on its second season. Handmaid's Tale, Rick and Morty's like second season, I think. Before I um, got completely obnoxious, yeah, uh, like the Americans at it peak i think like is this like the end of the era where people would keep saying tv's better than movies now and then like i feel like so many people came over to tv that tv then got a bit bad in a weird way (laughs) i think this is this is kind of like looking at this i think there's the the beginnings of the last few kind of like big serialized shows that are starting Mm. like like americans hot and catch fire uh, Better Call Saul, like like those kind of like the last ones that feel like they're in conversation with the Sopranos, the Wire, right. the Deadwoods of like the two thousands. Like here are the two thousand tens versions yeah. of these shows, and then what we get replaced with. And looking at this list, uh, Big Little Lies is kind of like a huge example of that. Is we're transitioning into the prestige miniseries kind of format that we're going to see, where it's going to be dominated by. Streaming shows that last two seasons, and like shows where we get the biggest actors and actresses on all of in all well, the yeah. world to come do a season or two, or we're going to reboot this and do hmm. uh, a, a kind of anthology series. And well, yeah, and- that I I I think it's like symptomatic of it that TV got so crazy good and movies got really frustrating, and like particularly for actors that wanted to make like good high budget stuff, not like franchise schlock. A condition of luring them over to TV is you don't have them for that long, or they're very expensive, so it's in your interest to keep it short, kind of thing. And then you know Netflix and streaming, and and you know every 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 network wants a streaming service, and everything yeah. poisons the well. Big I'm time. just I'm just looking at this now, and like other shows like I mean, Better Things, the first season of Glow, again another kind of like mm. final kicking of of Netflix, American Vandal's second season, American Vandal's first season, even like mm. all of these things are like. Like, boy, TV was really fucking good. Yeah. Like, even, like, kind of, like, seven years ago. Like, yeah. there's just so much depth to everything that's going on. Yeah. And now I feel like anyone who was a TV culture writer in 2017 <laughs> is, like, wanting to get out and just decrying the fact that almost every single TV show nowadays should have been a movie yeah. in a lot of ways. Movies that should have been shows, shows that should have been movies. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's a bleak time. Uh, as you say... Yeah, so this season drops September 8th, 2017. Haven't been saying when they've been dropping up to now, but we're going to correct it and move forwards. Uh, Yeah, so 2017. Yeah, uh, a time as you have have gone over. We have some season-long arcs for our characters, which we'll get into in a second, but just to to kind of do some admin on some some guest stars and whatnot, uh, and also just to acknowledge the opening titles. Uh, You know, they, they change every season. Uh, we have a weird like kaleidoscope of characters that replaces like the red carpet thing and the the set of secretariat and stuff. A, a weird 
one, I guess because there's so many flashbacks and dream sequences and trippy stuff that they were like, oh, a kaleidoscope. Or maybe they were just like, I don't know, shove something cool it's, looking it's, in. <laughs> it's like the first season where there isn't kind of like a centralized point around which characters yeah. are gathering around. Because yeah. it would be weird to do it be like the peanut butter kind of like... Uh, the peanut butter governor race would be a weird mm. one to kind of like have that because be bojack about. never touches that storyline like no and that's like part of the joke because he missed it like <laughs> yeah and and i mean like i i noticed that like it's i think episode seven is the first time that all five characters are together in the entire season and potentially for the first time in like several seasons that yeah seven and, are like... and they're all like let's go get food and then like we don't know if they do it and they probably yeah. don't also in the opening titles i mean for much of it bojack's living room is bare uh, and then when Hollyhock shows up, she is there. And then when Beatrice moves in with them, she is there. And in extremely dark fashion, you see Beatrice giving Hollyhock the coffee in the opening titles. And then they are both gone when they're gone. So it's like, even the opening titles are twisting that knife. Um, is is the bear nurse? Because I, <laughs> I think she is there, yeah. She, but is she also the same nurse for... Is it like bears in this world flock towards nursing... If, like, are yeah, they trying to do a weird thing where, like... <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be the same nurse bear that, yeah. uh, and, like, that the... Herb has. I think I think it is. I think Tina is, it is the oh, same... Oh, is it Tina, then, yeah. It's Tina who is the same nurse that Herb had. So... Well, it might be the Bojack, yeah, yeah. It's also funny that, like, bears seem to speak bear in a way that a lot of animals don't. I think Tina does speak at one point because she reaches out to Sarah, or it's not Tina, it's another bear or something, Speaks out, uh, reaches out to Sarah Lynn and speaks English, but otherwise they just speak bear and most of the other animals just speak English. And it's like, what is that about bears, man? So we have, I mean, we have a lot of new, like, big important characters. I think think I want to get the cameos out of the way first, though. So I'm not going to do all of them, but some of the big ones. We have David Chase as himself, Vincent D'Onofrio as himself, Lin-Manuel Miranda as Crackerjack Sugarman uh, in, like, a one-episode tiny, tiny role. Coleman Domingo as Eddie, Paul Giamatti as himself playing Bojack for a second. Mark Jacobs and Tim Gunn. I guess Mark Jacobs is playing Shark Jacobs. Harvey Firestein as an ovulation uh, <laughs> device. Felicity Huffman as herself, Zach Braff as himself, RuPaul as Queen Antonia, Sir Mixalot as himself, Hannibal Barras as Miles, and Martin Short as the sort of patriarch of the Stilton family. For me, that Vincent D'Onofrio cameo is one of my favourite one sort of episode appearances anyone ever does, just because of how hard he is going at that. Like and it's like you would almost believe it isn't him because you're so used to hearing him these days as Wilson Fisk in, in the various Marvel things and but to hear his more like fast and loose voice that we heard in like Mystic Pizza kind of thing. But he's still got like the cadence that he has in kind mm. of like more recent movies. It's still like very noticeably yeah. D'Onofrio. This like... D'Onofrio has had Onofrio. <laughs> and him talking about, like, you'll never find a man that fits these qualities. And then Mr. Peanut Butter has just wandered into the background, and that's how he got his show. Do you have a favourite of those, those uh, like, the, the one-time people before we get into the bigger ones? Zach Braff is real good. He sure is. He drives a Prius, did you know? 
Zafrof is real good in that one episode. Mm. Um, I do also like Paul Giamatti, who is like just doing <laughs> his like absolute best in that episode. I don't think anyone else like steals an episode really. Like RuPaul's I mean, fun. Yeah. Like, like like a lot of these guys are fun, but I don't think any of them like. You do have like Coleman Domingo doing the like the whole episode. I mean, that's almost bigger than a cameo at that point. So maybe I shouldn't have put him. In yeah, this, there's, a, there's a few people who like like one episode appearances, but mm. yeah, I mean Coleman Domingo's really good. Yeah. So, bigger characters this is. Now, I'm not going to make you talk about them one at a time because that was a real time suck. But we have uh, Katrina Peanutbutter, Mr. Peanutbutter's ex-wife, played by Lake Bell, running uh, Mr. Peanutbutter's campaign as he's running for governor. His opponent is Woodchuck Kudchuck Berkowitz, played by Andre Brower. We meet some of Bojack and Beatrice's extended family. Oh, Beatrice is back, Wendy Malick. Joseph Sugarman and Honey Sugarman, played by Matthew Broderick and Jane Krakowski. Bojack's ostensible daughter, Hollyhock, Mannheim, Mannheim, Guerrero, Robinson, Zilberschlag, Sung, Fonzarelli, McQuack, played by Apana Nanchella, Courtney Portnoy by Sharon Horgan, Stephanie Stilton, uh, Ralph, uh, Princess Carolyn's boyfriend's sister, uh, played by Kimiko Glenn, she's also Diane's boss, Flip McVicker, they keep this tradition going, they kind of debut a character very late that is going to be a big deal next season. Uh, so Flip McVicker, the sort of like tortured writer played by Rami Malek, and uh, Yolanda Buenaventura, uh, Natalie Morales, who's kind of Todd's new love interest. So I think those last two are disqualified, but of the sort of like, yeah, those sort of big seven. And I get, I mean, I never acknowledge the people who are coming back, <laughs> but like, mm. you still have Judah, you still have Beatrice Horseman, uh, and people like that. Um, but like, is it Hollyhock? Is it like there's so many people getting good work? The whole like extended family are excellent. Like from Hollyhock through Beatrice through the distant relatives, all extremely good. Uh, but do you have a favorite of those? I mean, I'm gonna. I feel like I have to exclude the ones who like become full on recurring characters. I guess because like Hollyhock's not done really. No, but this. like. I'm not asking... Uh, yeah, that, I guess I, I'm phrasing this wrong. It's just, like, these are our kind of people joining the ongoing yeah, okay. show and who uh, is, like, making the strongest impression here. I mean, it's Hollyhock. Yeah. Hollyhock, like, so completely and totally. It is yeah. It is a completely, totally winning performance mm -hmm. from Apana and Nanchella, who are, like, I, I've seen her in things before this. I, mm -hmm. like, I, knew, I knew her from around the comedy scene, but this, to me, was, like, such a incredible statement of like it's, just her talent it's it's like not to be rude but it's like a surprisingly like low-key casting for such a big character and like you can see a world where they go out and want to get a name and and you know they were right not to she's she's excellent and I, i'm not you know disparaging anyone i just know how tv works and i think that works to its benefit that she is this kind of like teenage girl that's rocking up and like you know, it's bowling Bojack over, and she's like from uh, she's from Kansas, and she's come to the big city kind of thing. But yeah, no, she's really really good. Everyone else is kind of like just doing comedy stuff. I do think Wendy Malick is is excellent, but she's been excellent throughout the whole fucking show. It's yeah, just yeah, she's gone from 
we'll give her an episode to say something devastatingly hurtful to like, hey, do you think you could do like a dramatic arc? And it's like, of oh, fucking course I can. I'm Wendy Malick. Yeah, like I think I think all the horses this season yeah, kind of, yeah. are completely are completely <laughs> incredible. Lin Manuel Miranda is like the most distracting out of all of them. It's 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 odd, isn't it? Because he's probably the most recognizable for younger people at this point, and yet he. <laughs> You know, he sings around the piano, and that's basically it. While, yeah, uh, yeah, I do like the touch that like everyone in that episode is like a Tony winner or a Tony nominee or whatever it is. But yeah, all these musical parents and and everything, uh, yeah. and even Coleman Domingo. Yeah, and yeah. but then I mean, if we're going for anyone else, uh, I mean Andre Brower. Like this is kind <laughs> of obviously the resurgence for him in terms of he's been on Brooklyn Nine Nine for a couple of seasons at this point. So this is just them basically weaponizing the new personality that he's cultivated from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to basically come in and be straight man but also funny but like it's it's a really good counterpoint in the season where you can't really bounce Mr. Peanut Butter off of Bojack mm-hmm. or like the other characters in the same way so like Andre Barrow yeah. 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 Uh, is there anyone else that I, I mean like? I, yeah I mean I, I I sort of didn't want to go through them one at a time because that's going to take forever. But then it's also kind of unfair to lump them all in one giant. No, thing. I know. I'm just I'm just looking at uh, like who is left, and I'm like the the two that make the biggest impression for sure are Hollyhock and and Andre Brower, and then they're also the two that kind of get entire subplots to themselves and yeah. like get to be the main recurring character in like multiple episodes of the season whereas i think everyone else is kind yeah. of like if you're gonna say natalie morales she's <laughs> she is fun but she is very much in yeah. the b or c plot of the episodes where she gets to show up because yeah, yeah. todd yeah. has never had an a plot at all in the show yeah, even the one called Yay Todd episode is actually just him in the background of like six stories kind of Yes. Thing. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. And and it is interesting they continue to do this where like you get your season long arc, you get your big dramatic episode everybody talks about, and then you start to pepper in some elements to set up next season, um, as a sort of soft here's what is to come kind of thing. So before you test your memory. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us what every episode is. I'm just going to quickly summarize the the, the plots of the of the season, and we will get into some of them I think later on, and some of them maybe right now. Uh, so Bojack, you know, he he ran off at the end of last season. He he spends, I think it's like a year away uh, in his like his grandparents' like summer home, doing some soul searching. We find some stuff out via some flashbacks when he returns. Hollyhock. A, a, a horse girl shows up uh, claiming to be his daughter and they he tries to navigate that like a world where he might be a dad and and trying to get to the bottom of that and then things go real bad and we will be talking about it but I, I'm basically gonna just say right now we'll talk about Pojack's thing <laughs> in depth in a bit Todd is probably the easiest like he's basically trying to have a life without Bojack um, and as an openly asexual person like he goes to asexual meetups and everything which is made more difficult for him as he is <laughs> made to pose as the fake boyfriend of celebrity courtney portnoy and that doesn't quite sit right with him uh, uh you know at first he's happy to do it and we have weird stuff like he accidentally influences the fashion of all the background characters of the show um, <laughs> which is a very good bit for a character that is kind of in the background so much and yeah he's just trying to found a new business and he meets his new potential partner but yeah it's a it's an interesting season for todd because he's separated from bojack 
they speak and he's like yeah i'm i'm, I'm enjoying not being your friend actually I, i'm i'm finding myself and it's like you know i think he's finding himself because he's learned he's asexual more than anything but it doesn't hurt nothing but bojack's not around to like kick his self-esteem into the dirt <laughs> no yeah i mean it, yeah todd's story this season is interesting in terms of like because it kind of how do you keep his plotline going in a show where he's not going to interact with the main character? But I think it's also part of the very DNA of the show in terms of showing that that's going to become part of it is that like Bojack is just going to become less and less important to all of these characters and mm. he will be sequestered away in his own kind of like fucked up little world, which he's created for himself, yeah. which, which I think is ultimately kind of like speaks to the entire theme of the show. And it's this kind of example of, like the the actual like structure of the show speaking to the themes absolutely diana and mr peanut butter they're like more linked than they've ever been which is ironic because by the end of this they break up it's dominated by mr peanut butter running for governor of california as he was offered to do at the end of last season by his ex-wife katrina and diane tries to be cool with them running a campaign out of their house and his ex-wife basically being there all the time they're fighting they're having sex problems, and then they're fighting and having angry sex and not talking about their problems. Uh, he does eventually drop out. They try to fix their marriage, and then, yeah, they they just finally are honest with themselves. And, like, the material is good. Like, it's well-written and well-acted. But it's just, like, from day one, these two have been so clearly missuited. And I know that he occasionally comes through in the clutch and is, like, good to her, but, like, they just are not compatible on several important levels. And I do think the phrasing of the, like, their relationship is like a magic eye poster. And, like, sometimes when you squint just right, it's perfect. But she's so tired of squinting. That's, like, so good writing. Um, yeah. Which is ironic, because I said so good writing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I, th- that's I think in previous seasons peanut butter has been like too much of a comedic character whereas i think this season actually having them be mm. in their own plot line with just themselves it kind of does allow them both to be more dramatic in a way that they haven't got yeah. to be together in the past where like it's always on the edges mm. but the show's mind more tension from them being apart with diane going away mm. and like not telling him that she's returned to the country and stuff like that whereas this is like they are with each other the entire season and i i think it's my favorite mr peanut butter season um i i actually really like the goofy like governor race and like the the downhill ski race like he challenged he doesn't have enough votes so he challenges him to a downhill ski race when he doesn't know how to ski which todd wins <laughs> and then because todd doesn't steps down he's he's governor of california for like six seconds uh, that forces an election, so they have that after all. And so you're not a fan of pickles or plenty. I hate pickles, and that's for us to talk about in depth at a later date. Yeah, I don't know. I just I like the governorship. Like it, it. I think it is just like giving him something real rather than just being this idiot that kind of gums up the works for Bojack and like is siloed off with Todd so much. Yeah, I I, I like the governor race. I like the way they write the breakup and them kind of seeing it coming before it happens and like that they they yeah like i said they're having their problems before that even happens and then like they they want to buy the new house together and then like before they will spend even a second in it they're like oh what if we go on holiday and just yeah that it's been this sort of thing that is true for us in front of them the whole time um, i 
just just speaking on that bridge, I love that <laughs> that bridge is like completely chock a block with cars because that bridge yeah. is surely thousands of miles long. Yeah, like, it says Honolulu two thousand miles, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that it's it, it's another one of these things where like. I talked in the very first episode about how much mileage they get out of so many of these dumb jokes back when people were like, oh, this show is okay, I guess. And, like, it's just a throwaway line about, as part of Missy Peanutfur's quest for governorship, someone wants a bridge to Hawaii, and then it is built, and then the cost of it means that they can't get rescued in the underground episode, and then they use it to try and drive to Hawaii, and it's like, oh, a two-lane bridge (laughs) to Hawaii. Of course it's fucking backed up and it's 2000 miles um, how many cars is that that is like that must be most <laughs> of the population of america in cars just trying, trying to, to go to hawaii yeah i mean we keep being told stop going to hawaii tourist but yeah <laughs> yeah and then princess carolyn uh, there's there's a chance we could be talking about her but we'll see how the argument plays out but she basically spends the season trying to have a baby uh with ralph it does not go well for her or him. They break up. She loses the baby. She also switches from being an agent to a manager. Um, What's the difference between an agent and a manager, Matt? Well, a manager can produce. Um, an agent gets jobs for the client, or as a manager manages a career and can also produce. Some shit like that. I really don't. God bless Princess Carol. Like, like the kind of unsung hero of the whole show, where like, on a first watch through, I wouldn't say I didn't like her. It's just like, I'm in it for like, the people whose names I know. And that's harsh to Amy Sedaris, but like, and then like, you come to appreciate like, she's such a goddamn trooper, um, as a, as an actor and as a character. And like, she's always there and she always gets her one episode a season and it's always really good. And it's it's some of the worst stuff that happens to her, basically. Yeah. It's also the incredible pivot because like, whenever she's in an episode, which isn't her episode, Mm. she is such a professional face who is like, Mm. trucking along with all of the hollywood bullshit and all the rest of it like she is yeah. the one who is the the real conduit into the parody of that world and she's so she's so useful because she's not only a plot device because she's the agent of two of the sorry the manager of two of the characters <laughs> but she's also like bojack's only real confidant and like diane clearly is not good at having friends like I, although they seem to not actually get on that well sometimes but you know um she, she's useful and and yeah, you can call her in, you can tag her in for like a two-minute scene, both, you know, in a meta sense with Amy Sedaris being a pro and, you know, her character's job is to be just brought in for annoying conversation she has to have. Yeah, I I do enjoy that this is a season where they're like, we've not really done much with Princess Carolyn and Todd, so let's <laughs> yeah. see what happens when we throw these two together. And yeah. the show kind of like, it, it does vaguely back off it because... She could yeah. only exist with Todd at the same time as his crazy scheme for the season. Yeah. Uh, but right. it is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right, it is time for one of our favourite segments. As you may or may not know, I make way too many notes. Ben makes absolutely none. And this comes together in a wonderful confluence as Ben tries to summarise the plot of every episode of the season off the top of his head from just the titles. Did very well in the first two seasons, got them all right. Did stumble on just the one episode of season three. Can you come back with a vengeance? Uh, And after you name it, I will throw in my favourite, just 
little joke that we're not going to talk about unless I say it. So, okay. see Mr. Peanut Butter Run. Uh, this is one of the first big Peanut Butter episodes. Did he have one last season? Or is this like his first, like, uh, this is entirely Mr. Peanut Butter episode? I think that may be true. Yeah, but this is basically Mr. Peanut Butter's origins, how he gets his job, and the aforementioned Vincent D'Onofrio uh, joke at the beginning of the season, uh, and how, I mean, we've already talked about this one, he he convinces Woodchuck, Goodchuck, uh, Berkowitz to have a race, in a ski race, but he can't ski, and so he goes to ski school, but learns nothing from ski school whatsoever. Yeah, but he nails all of the classes, because he has to rip up, he has to not do the reading, and he has to not do this, and he... Uh, my favourite joke is Katrina calling Jude a Rain Man bun. Mwah. Excellent. Did teacher come back at all? I don't know. I don't because he does take... turn into a butterfly clearly, but yes. I don't know if we see him. Yeah, maybe the old Sugarman place. Uh, the old Sugarman place. This is kind of what probably could have been the first episode of the season in like a normal world, but I guess they're like mm. playing into the structure of the season where Diane has no idea where Bojack is. But this is Bojack going to the old Sugarman place uh, and basically having a, an experience in Michigan where he tries to rebuild his old family home. Uh, making friends with the dragonfly next door. Meanwhile, the past is like intruding on the present, and we're getting the the backstory into uh, Beatrice's family and kind of like what made her the mother that she is to Bojack. Uh, Matthew Broderick says some truly awful things as Joseph Sugarman, and he's very good at it. And I feel bad about saying some of them, but if it's anyone's fault, it's the Jews for peeving off Hitler so bad. <laughs> It's just oh right, it's uh, <laughs> truly, truly incredible. Um, also, just the the I mean, the end of the episode in which they reveal that uh, Honey Sugarman has had a lobotomy, oh, and yeah. I don't. Does Jane Krakowski come back at all after that? I don't think so. I don't think that they do not have Honey speak again all season, and she becomes this like incredibly mm-hmm. dark spectre anytime she's mentioned, where yeah. she is only in in silhouette. Or yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Fucking oh, oh big. that will be coming up. <laughs> Hooray, Todd episode! Uh, this is the one in which Todd. The setup to this episode is Todd is the triangle player for an orchestra, <laughs> and. The 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 head kind of the head of the orchestra is like he is one of the greatest people I know. He gives his time over to everything, and I hope one day he does not come to play the triangle. Yeah, it's good it, world hunting. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and this is uh, basically Todd and how he helps everyone in his life to do everything he wants at the expense of himself. And at the end of the episode, he finally makes the time for himself and goes to the asexual support group. Actually, a really lovely kind yeah. of like ending to the episode. Yeah. Uh, I do love getting my picture taken. It's proof I exist. It's a nice <laughs> little quote. I feel like what you're doing is you're bouncing back from having gotten one wrong last time by showing off more by including a lot more detail than normal. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect it about that. Uh, episode four is commence fracking. First of two kind of uh, issue episodes of the season in which basically uh, Mr. Peanut Butter sells their house to a fracking company. And I mean, is there really much more to this this is the one where mr peanut butter and diane are having the sexual problems but this is kind of like the 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 second big uh, peanut butter political episode of the season yeah i don't think he sells it i think he just agrees to have fracking done yeah, in his yeah agrees, he agrees to have fracking yeah uh, is this is this also the one where bojack and hollyhock are trying to find her mum uh and they're visiting all of the old flames in this episode as well yeah 
Okay. That's also why the uh, Harvey Firestein is <laughs> <laughs> like they're trying to get pregnant. Um, there are two I really like here, so I'm going to cheat and do them both. Uh, have you considered impregnating a younger woman? Is is just brutally <laughs> awful from the albino rhino gyno, and nothing for Josh Radnor. How quickly we forget is uh, that's quite a nice one. Uh, episode five is called Thoughts and Prayers. Again, another issue episode. This is Bojack uh, trying to tackle well, not Bojack. It's Diane trying to tackle the gun issue, but basically it turns into Diane finds out she really likes guns and mm. so starts to get all women to have guns to protect themselves. And this is, of course, the thing that motivates politicians in America more than anything is to strip guns away from from everyone so that women can't have them, which is a is a wonderful kind of sign off to this episode. But I do think the like the actual issue part of it is a bit underbaked in comparison to like other ones that they've done. Yeah. Um, even if like the, the the thoughts and prayers thing is like so stuck in my <laughs> mind, like any time anyone makes a statement, it always is thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Like, thoughts and prayers. I really love that, like because their movie has a lot of gun violence in it they have to keep trimming it down for every like location where there's been a mass shooting so in the end it's seven seconds and it could be an h&m commercial um, <laughs> where's cool. the h&m yeah <laughs> yeah that's literally it and that's all we can use episode six is called stupid piece of shit oh my god yeah this is basically bojack's internal monologue around his life it is um, incredibly kind of like uncomfortable to watch. Like, I mean, the bit with him eating breakfast where he's like, "You're not gonna have another an Oreo, are you? That's not breakfast. Don't eat an Oreo, you you fat piece of shit." Like, it's just uh, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's one of those ones where I I don't actually remember like what the individual things. I just remember the BoJack internal monologue part of the episode. Um, it's also the one with the they they want him to they want Todd to marry. Uh, Courtney Portnoy right, in a sham yes. wedding. Uh, and that is where my, my favourite quote from this one. Uh, Rutabaker says, We are doing to this wedding what Robert Durst did to that lady and Fred Durst did to his career. <laughs> Killing it. Uh, episode 7 is called Underground. Underground. Uh, the fracking finally pays off in which Mr. Peanut Butter's house collapses in the middle of a fundraiser and they have to live underground for two weeks? Is it? Uh, about that, yeah. About two weeks. Yeah. Uh, this is the one where they just get really brutal to Jessica Biel and Zach Braff. Um, she's such a fucking trooper. And like when they say, I think less famous Michelle Monaghan is right, and then that attempted movie star is right, it's just like... And this that's also this... funny because Michelle Monaghan isn't even famous either. Like This isn't the one, this isn't the episode with the B-list joke though, is it? Like, no, that, is, that, that one's later. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she also says that you can Jessa leave in at some point instead of be leaving. Yes, they also cook and eat that breath. The judge. The judge. Uh, this is Bojack. He's having to apologize to Felicity Huffman for throwing things off of his deck uh-huh. over the course of several seasons. And so he becomes the guest judge on uh, Felicity Huffman's Booty Academy LA, which had been like. <laughs> mentioned several times as FHBA and everyone was assuming it was like a a fairly well-to-do court drama Um, and this is uh, Holly falls in love with an intern and Bojack tries to prove that the intern is a piece of shit and then ultimately proves that the intern is a piece of shit but not for the reasons that Bojack thinks he's going to be a piece of shit and and also this is Princess Carolyn goes with the Stiltons to to see them on their their cat-hating holiday sure does the line reading of Doggy Doggy 
what now <laughs> is is very good. I also really like in the first episode when it's not just Doggy Doggy What Now, it's Diane Diane What Now. Yes. It's <laughs> uh, Ruthie. Uh, Kristen Bell guest stars as a future ancestor of Princess Carolyn telling a story of one of the shittiest days of her life um, in which uh, her family heirloom jewellery breaks and she discovers that it is... Uh, not actually a priceless heirloom. She miscarries, but doesn't have a heart to tell uh, Ralph that this has happened. And doesn't a project fall through as well? Mm -hmm. Well, no, like a project falls through. She has to fire Judah because she finds out about Judah rejecting the offer from Vigor last season to like buy the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, ultimately she gets drunk and breaks up with Ralph. And sure does. Yep. And And, uh, uh, also Todd is clown dentist. Yes. Yes. Uh, do they just say the names of movies and actors? How does that generate revenue? Is is a good one. And also, you're a real tough broad, except the uterus area. Pretty weak. Uh, yeah, they're very good at this incredibly ugly <laughs> like, dialogue. Uh, like, and they make it obvious that it's not actually the opinion yeah, that you yeah, should yeah, stand yeah, by, yeah, which yeah. I feel like, because I, I, I know there is the com- frequent criticism of like, don't be a man and make misogynist jokes as like a mm-hmm. as a joke because you're still saying the content of it. But I feel like there is a there is an inflection to the way that oh yeah, like, they they get it exactly right. And there's so many seemingly harmless, innocuous turns of phrase that they highlight, uh, like the whole thing about you're so easy kind of thing. You know, like yeah, uh, loving that Cali lifestyle! Exclamation um, mark! All lower caps. God, this is this is kind of <laughs> the pre-finale episode, I guess, because like basically mm. this is like every plotline comes to a head in this episode where Holly finds out that she's being drugged by Beatrice, or mm. she doesn't find out. She finds out she's being drugged, and they don't find out it's from Beatrice until like the very end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Woodchuck almost loses the race because he hasn't had any hands since the underground <laughs> episode, and yeah. so. He has the serial killer hands, which means that that makes it worse. Jessica Beale is running instead of peanut butter at this point. Yes. And her hating avocado is what causes her to lose the race, yes. ultimately. That is where the B-list thing is, I think. <laughs> That's the B-list bit. Flip Vicar bitches Filbert to Princess Carolyn, which is the name of her child. Correct. And she fakes a Bojack's signature on a contract to lock him into doing the show. Uh, and we are introduced to Yolanda. But yeah, the clown dentist <laughs> venture that's been bubbling away in the background for season, this season, all season, He, she basically like shuts him down. Uh-huh. Uh, Tony Shahoob, this is what time is it right now.com, not what time is it 15 years ago.com forward slash geocities forward slash monk fan page. I don't know. That just tickled me. Uh, Times motherfucking arrow. It's not uh, called this, that, but you know. it's not. Times arrow. Beatrice is. I mean, real- I think we're going to be talking about this one in a minute. <laughs> this is basically an episode from Beatrice's perspective, but she has dementia, and so it, it kind of takes place all over time. And yeah, it's real good. Yeah, a very innocuous little thing in it is. Welcome to California, hippies. Welcome, gays. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> And our season finale is what time is it right now? God, I watched this one today. But I mean, again, it's it's very similar <laughs> to Love in That Cali Lifestyle, where it's just kind of like bringing everything to a close, where Bojack figures out who uh, Hollyhock's parents are and discovers that he is not actually her father, and so tracks down Henrietta and and gets the details over to, to Hollyhock and kind of like has a meeting with Hollyhock's parents, Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane make their ill-fated journey across to to Hawaii, which ultimately ends with 
Mr. Peanut Butter building a Bell's Library for her that she presents <laughs> because she wanted her dream to be of her own making rather than just kind of like given to her. Uh-huh. And Philbert is is picked up yeah. um, to season by what time is what wait, time no, is what, it right now dot com? Is it right now <laughs> It comes with a baked in audience of people who want to know what the time is. <laughs> Right now. <laughs> right now, yeah. And and Todd and Yolanda discover that the dentists that they let loose in the woods have all got rabies, mm-hmm. uh, which is really dark. It's like a little subject because you die from rabies within a week of contracting rabies. Generally, yes. And they are <laughs> rabid clown dentists released into some woods near an abandoned insane asylum and a school. <laughs> and then they turn it into a business where it's it's the run for your life like it's the greatest workout you've ever had and it's like no they will bite you and they will kill you <laughs> I, I it is funny because like last season obviously ends with everything tying together and i do wonder mm. if that got a bit much whereas this season nothing really ties together they're, they're all breaking up like organically drifting apart kind of thing like, yeah, there was a but... real reason for them all to be together in season one because todd lived with bojack princess carolyn was his agent and Diane was writing the book, and Diane is married to Mr. Peanutbutter, who loved Bojack. And over time, like all of that is, is not true anymore. Well, Except yeah. uh, Princess Carolyn uh, is his manager. Um, well done. You you did real good there. You you went into more detail than was necessary. I think you have exonerated your your slip up last time. Speaking of doing well, we are going to pick two of those episodes, one each, and we're going to go into. I know there are three, aren't there? <laughs> There's four. There's all. There's four because Ruthie's one of them as well. Right. I think Times Arrow is in. Obviously, yes, Times Arrow has to be in, and then it's just: is it Ultra Gamer Place? Is it Stupid Piece of Shit? Okay. So my favorite of these other ones is Stupid Piece of Shit. Yeah. What is yours? It's Ruthie. It's Ruthie. Okay. The Old Sugarman Place is also real good, but like you've got stiffer competition. I think there is a argument to make that, like, the BoJack trilogy of the season, which is really ultimately the Old Sugarman Place, Stupid Piece of Shit, and Time's Arrow. Like, I feel like those three very much kind of, like, tell mm. the entire plot of, yeah. like, the internal struggle of the season in a in a really effective way. I, I, like... I mean, I, I think we should talk about Ruthie because there is more to talk about. I think we could summarise why Stupid Piece of Shit is so good in, like, a couple of sentences. Yeah, I think Without of... trying to reduce how good it is. Yeah, Stupid like... Piece of Shit is kind of like... I'm not saying it is just the gimmick, but the gimmick is kind of... It really works. <laughs> it really, it really works, and I, I, I think you can just, you can just play this episode to someone as like a standalone thing, and it, and it really, really does work. Yeah. Um, whereas like, I think, I mean, I mean, like, not to get too deep and personal here, but like, as someone with depression, when it real flares up, this is the experience. I have walked around the corridors of my workplace, listening to music, and just cursing myself out for everything I have done or said or, or whatever that day and to see it on tele- it feels stupid because it's like of course people everyone feels that oh, not everyone you know of course other people feel this way but to like see it that way uh, and portrayed as well as it is with like it's not just the monologue it's that they throw in uh they have the piece of music uh K-Flay is in the cut is put in there and they use this kind of like crude art style of of like almost a crayon drawn horse kind of thing which which keeps coming back i think over the course of the show is like whenever bojack is like telling events of like what he did like in the in the episode 
10 when he's like speaking to hollyhock's parents like that is yeah how he is like in- internalizing like what the activities that he did is in this kind of like cartoon yeah. cartoon style and i think the thing that hits hardest in this is when he knows that hollyhock has it too when he comes home and like she's had a difficult day and she says oh yeah i have this voice and and that goes away right and he lies to her that that makes it really hit home because you know the reason he is so averse to her and the idea of fatherhood is he thinks he is just a an absolutely ruinous beyond redemption person and he's you know maybe he's right but he doesn't want that to live in her as it has lived in him as all the horrible shit that's happened throughout this family as we find out in this season and like it does but it's not directly his fault in the same way as we'll learn from time's arrow but yeah like the when he starts seeing the tangible effects that she's having uh that he's yeah. having on her uh right let's talk about ruthie and then let's talk about time's arrow um because i i quite like doing this because like we talked about the princess carolyn episode in a previous I, season yeah and, i i uh, i think the benefit as i said like the benefit of this season is like those three episodes we talked about they're all very much the bojack family stuff which i think yeah. in these like later seasons of the show becomes like the real backbone of the entire show like yeah. that is that is kind of like what they're pitching this on is is the, the depression and the generational trauma sorry to bring up that word <laughs> across everything and i have to imagine we're going to talk about free churro next next week like, i genuinely can't imagine whether we don't talk about free churro uh for what that one is but yeah like i i think ruthie stands out because again this is there's so many jokes but it's also so dark and so personal on so many levels and again it kind of like brings that it's got the realism of what's going on with mr peanut butter and diane in terms of their marriage crumbling but Mm. also just in so much more of a condensed package than that one i think in a season where like they have these real gut punches and big reveals and stuff for this kind of side episode with the you know the narrative framing device being Ruthie, the great, great, great granddaughter of Princess Carolyn, talking about her for like a school project or whatever. And it's all, they're getting all this mileage out of the future. Like the bean system is the way for, for they've replaced clocks with the bean system. And, all you know, hell the bean. Yeah, exactly. For the final reveal. And like, she keeps getting told off for how this story is really dark and there's so many incidental side characters. She keeps going, no, 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 it's so important. It ends happy, I promise. And then we learn that Princess Carolyn, when she's feeling shitty, she imagines this scenario and none of it, you know, that it's not yeah, real. It, it, it's and... not, it, this isn't the friendly device you think it is. This is Princess Carolyn's story that she tells herself. Yeah. And the fact that she... And it just ends sad. like, yeah, And she does this to Bojack. Bojack yeah. who calls her to complain about a day in which he had to... St- to cue. <laughs> I am a famous Diane. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, you you don't know how the like the B plotline of this episode is gonna tie into the A plotline because like Ruthie is talking about like uh this is going to be like become important and you realise that the way it ultimately ties in is Bojack is so selfish. He doesn't even ask Princess Caroline like how her day was. I think he does, but then he just steamrolls her and talks about himself yeah. instead and like she smiles about it and it comes back to the, the the dinner episode last season the best thing ever happened to me or whatever it's called where like he is so relentlessly awful to her all the time and she just can't help but see that little sliver of good and like i think she's just so has spent so much time with him 
that she kind of almost gets a laugh out of how awful he is and just is like, <laughs> that's Bojack. And yep. it's it's really good for like the 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 length of the season, uh, the length of the show even, um, like their relationship together. As I say, that's the one that doesn't ever really crumble in the way the others do. It, it's, crumbled, it's, crumbled, but... it's crumbled before the show begins. Like, yes. The relationship is over, but they will always maintain this, like we spent seven years in a relationship and we have this professional thing to fall back on. But like yeah. the, the actual, like they still have this emotional connection, even if the kind of romantic sexual part of it is like just completely gone. Yeah. Like yeah. they've managed to get to a point almost where it works. Um, and then, I mean, like the, the Ralph breakup is so... Mm tragic because it's not because because it i feel like they could work it out if they could actually have those she's just so hurt and in the moment and as i said he has laid on that the you know everything's so easy with you that's why i love you and he doesn't know what he's saying but yeah, yeah and like and i think i, I had this memory that like the, the other shoe dropped and ralph was actually a dick and maybe that never actually happens and i'm just like there's so much of that in this show in general um, because like the stuff with like you know going to visit his family, but then he does stick up for her and yeah, like like going to the the checkup and like the stuff with her necklace, which it turns out you know they tell this elaborate story about it being a priceless family heirloom. Again, from the old fun country. animation, yes. fun animation, doing the kind of like the almost like the South Park like style. Um, like craft paper cutouts yeah <laughs> the cats uh and then it turns out it's fake and it's bullshit and it's worth nothing but she still wears it throughout the whole show and i like that ruthie is wearing it in the um mm. in all the in those scenes but yeah to go from like losing the baby to to breaking up with ralph like because she's just like i'm just gonna get drunk um in the apartment with todd and the clown dentists and then he's she's just so raw and because he doesn't know what has happened like it doesn't feel as inappropriate to him to step away as it would if he. Oh wait, no. Does she tell him? She does tell. Well, she does. Oh, tell she. Him t- no, she... sorry. She tells him, and then she's like, "Oh, and also, this isn't my first one, and I've had five previous miscarriages, and I could have five more. Are you prepared for that?" And he kind of skirts around it, but I think he is not prepared for that. He, I don't think he is prepared for that, and that's why he's kind of like suggesting we need to think about other options and stuff, and she and that finds is just it. not, yeah, that that is not an option for her at all. And like, Even though by the end of the season it feels like she has come around to thinking maybe it well, is an option. It's which, which get... saying it, like, like yeah. for the biggest piece of shit of them all, to have that like moment of just like truth and emotional honesty and be like, hey, have you ever thought about adopting? You'd be a great mother. And, like, Judah has told us she'd be a good mother. And, like, Rutabaga was like, it's so good. It would be so funny if you were... Uh, he's like, it's good you're not a mother. You'd be hilarious at it, or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it, it's it, like, you know, this is obviously bigger than you and I. Like, we're, we're two dudes. We, we are not people with uteruses. Like, this is a huge thing that women go through. And, and yeah, it's fucking brutal. And, yeah, and for I, her to just casually throw that out there, of like, oh, this isn't just this is you know i've had two with you and then i've had more before that like yeah oh. and just yeah, knowing think... that princess carolyn is the character that like we get so little window into her life and when we do it's like oh god it's tragedy all the way down yeah and i mean i don't know why but this episode has like stuck out to me as like this is the episode i think about when i think about the show like in, in mm. other terms i think about like entire character arcs and yeah. like like plot lines whereas like as a single episode this might be the one that i think about it's certainly like it's it, it's like narratively very 
it's like showing off like how good we are at writing television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and I mean, like, but also like you got fantastic. I mean, like Kristen Bell is so good mm. in this episode as well as playing Rufie. And then you've also got like, I mean, we, we we've said like this the fact that two of the best recurring characters on the show were like in terms of performances, like you've got Rule Sparza as as Ralph and Dietrich Bader as Judah, kind of like just hanging out on the scenes of this. And I'm glad this isn't the last we're gonna see of either of those characters. Um, but like this being their farewell in a way that could feel fairly final is is yeah. like really tragic as well. Yeah, because as um, you say, she also yeah she she fires Judah and Courtney Portnoy fires her because of the failure of Mistaken and the. We haven't talked about Sharon Horgan on this show. Yeah, she's real, like it, it's so bizarre that she's so good at these like posh English accents as an Irish woman, but I mean you know. There's no shortage of us around to to no, make fun of, but she's also got that thing where like her voice is so different to like, her regular voice that it's yeah. a real kind of like struggle for me to actually think of it as Sharon Hawke. Yeah, we talk about show. people being unrecognizable, and that one. You haven't watched any Disenchantment, have you? I've not watched any Disenchantment. Yeah, no. she's she, real she good in that? that. Yeah, I thought it was fucking Jennifer Saunders. Like she's real good in that as uh, um, Bean, Bean's mother. Yeah, obviously, um, but it's like it is this quite funny thing where like I assume because of just how long the tail is on like when they're making the show that you can literally see kind of like the TV landscape and who they're plucking from because it's like yeah. catastrophe starts probably in the US kind of like a year two years before this so they're obviously getting from that Andrew Brower from Brooklyn Nine Nine mm. uh, like obviously you got Rami Malek this season um, in like playing playing the character she, but obviously with a couple she's of seasons in, um, to Mr Robot yeah she's in Game Night right. Uh, yes, she is. Yes, but that's like, 2018. You, so that's a year later than this. So, like, do you think she had like moved to America and like, you know, she just gets work? It's like, oh, you're good, <laughs> and now you're I, I, Ameri- I assume, now you're available. I assume, it is just, I assume it is one of those things where like catastrophe is such a big thing in certain circles that she is yeah. getting a lot of attention for that. It's yeah. so funny to me that Rami Malek is <laughs> is doing like his big season on BoJack is the same year he wins an Oscar. Yeah. And he's so much better like, on budget, which goes without saying. But you know, yeah, like it, like yeah, the Courtney Portnoy thing, like will come to that as a what it unlocks for them. But yeah, as this just sort of Megan Fox coded, like you know, just kind of yeah, they've they've done they've done kind of like female celebrities before, but this is the first time that they've gone for like the the kind of the A list actress. Yeah, uh, in that way. Yeah, and she's in Miss Taken, which is the guy from Taken's niece, is she? <laughs> and, yes. Yeah, is the plot, and yeah, they're trying to put this movie together, and it, it failed because of all the mass shootings and everything. But um, yeah, and the the sham wedding doesn't work out because Todd can't do it because he's like he's fine to pose as her boyfriend, but he can't have a fake wedding. Um, or a real wedding for a fake marriage, even though it comes with the standard Hollywood clause of uh, of everything. But yeah, I mean, it's just so it's so sad, but it still manages to get all the jokes in. It still manages to like, you know, Charlie with a spoon buying the Utah Jazz instead of Vim, and like they're not good agents, but they're getting better. That um, <laughs> not that just he bought them, that he bought them and then tried to set them to work at his agency. <laughs> Uh, real good. You've got Paul F. Tompkins back as this like offensively stereotypical Italian waiter who keeps saying Miss Carrie, like Miss Carrie, and and like he just keeps saying Miss Carrie to her while she's going through that. It's all 
It's all real rough stuff. Oh, and also, Ralph is also mad that Princess Carolyn still had the apartment. And, like, she's offered that to Todd. And I think they live together next season out of this apartment. Or that's, yeah. my, that's my memory of it anyway. But, yeah. Like, ends real sad, but it is... And I think the fact that they... they they basically lie to you. Like, they promise it will be okay, and then it isn't. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, you can't do that to me. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, okay, yeah, I, I absolutely adore this episode, but we absolutely must talk oh, about it. Oh, it's Time's Arrow. It's Time's Arrow all day. I think it's the highest rated episode of the show. It's got, like, a 9.8. I, I um, think the finale might be, like, people like butting heads with it. People love, well, not the finale, the penultimate episode. The one with is, all the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, hmm. I'll withhold judgment until I watch it again, but I think people overrate the episode quite a lot. Uh, Time's Arrow is, as you said, like paying off all of the background shit with Beatrice and Hollyhock and what's going on there. Because after Hollyhock ODs and, and he, he finds out that Beatrice... <laughs> I mean, I feel I need to do so much groundwork here. Uh, Hollyhock came to him and they're trying to figure it out and then they go and see his mother who's in an old folks' home and like she has a freak out and has to move in with them and then it comes to light she has been drugging hollyhock's coffee because she has a real thing about you know she's fat phobic as shit because she is of a different era and she has the worst father in the world and after he finds that out he shoves her in the worst old folks home he can find and it's like fuck you basically and then we come back to that and see just her like slipping out of touch with reality misremembering certain things and then you know like uh, it's all done again, like abstract style, um, where like like we like we never see Henrietta's face. It's always all of, scribbled out. Yeah, everyone who's like you know a, a waiter, a, a house, you know, people in hospitality, someone that she would, someone that she wouldn't know the name of. Or yeah, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. Is, has no face. They might they're, have a they've got like scribbles speak. over their faces, um, like like a big you know you give a kid and be like, and this is his hair kind of thing, and then like. You have stuff like at the party, everyone other than the important people who are talking, they have just no face. Like, they, they just have a blank face. Uh, and there's stuff like that. They will flash to something for a second. Uh, you, you talked about, like, the, the looming spectre of Honey Sugarman. <sighs> when she said when she's asked what her mother would think, she says she doesn't think mu- She doesn't think... Oh, she doesn't think much. And they flash for a second this silhouette with, like, a white stitched scar from where Joseph made his wife have a lobotomy because she was horrifically sad that her son died and was being, you know, hysterical in public kind of thing. They do that and they they will cut to a doll burning in the fire and, you know, we find out why that is. And just something as simple as her saying that her parents knew you know, how to make a marriage last or whatever, and then you cut to him, like, you know, they don't show it, but, like, basically abusing her. Um, just all these, like, little touches, and, like, Bojack's father says he's coming to a hat in hand, and then a hat appears in his hand <laughs> kind of stuff. So they do all the artsy stuff, but it's also just it's so devastatingly written. Um, I think it gets attention because of the art flourishes, but I think the drama here and, like, showing how this bullshit plays out over generations and showing all these like big societal problems and big like relationship problems that people have and the attitudes of the times and how it impacts children you know it's all fucking sublime Um, yeah it's it's genuinely incredible i mean 
it's so interesting to think of it as like because not only is it paying off all of the seasons kind of like little breadcrumbs that have been left aside but it's also paying off kind of four seasons of why the character of bojack is the way that he is and like we've obviously had like the seedings of oh he had a bad family but yeah like like it, it it seems just as simple as they were shitty and argued a lot and his dad was a bad writer and drank and stuff but to like see the extent of how bad it like that's almost a triviality compared to like seeing how far back this goes yeah um, i mean what is it so the fact that her brother dies during world war 1 or 2 uh 2 because he says it's those the, oh, it's the, the thing i was made to say yeah. by myself <laughs> yeah so his, her brother <laughs> dies in world war 2 she then her mother is lobotomized because she is grieving too heavily mm-hmm. um and so basically becomes a non person i don't even think they mention like when her mother dies at any point it's no not, they don't they don't at all like it's just it's she's she's just gone like from from all idea of like who she is from the point she has lobotomy and like it and obviously that happens back in episode two of the season, but it still like yeah. looms large over this. Yeah. She contracts scarlet fever, mm-hmm. and her father makes the decision to burn all of her possessions, including her baby doll. Which and we had in, oh, in stupid piece of shit. She really latched on to a doll and was like distraught when it was taken from her. And you think it's just her adult mind, and it's like yes, but actually, and they and, they and juxtaposed that with. Oh, I mean. We'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, but we've got all this stuff with like, I mean, what her mum? One of her mum's last words to her is like, "Promise me, Beatrice, you'll never love anything as much as I loved your brother." Yep. So she's she's discouraged from forming emotional attachments by her mother and her father. She is bullied for her weight. Like you'll have these throwaway lines about how like ice cream is for boys, a, a, a good snack for a woman is like a piece of lemon with sugar on it and stuff like that. And she's bullied for being fat by fellow kids. And to stress, it's fine to be fat, but she is factually not fat. She is bullied for being fat. She is told by her father that because of the scarlet fever, her throat has nearly swollen shut. So she might finally be able to drop that weight that she's been you know, just all these things and like, you know, reading builds your brain which takes away resources from your breasts and hips and stuff <laughs> like that. And like, you know, he is just like hardcore, the most evil person in the entire show. Because he's got no yes. like I don't want to say he's got no excuses. There's nothing like wrong with him. He is just horrible. <laughs> just pure evil manifest. Just do we get more Matthew Broderick after this point? I can't remember I think if, this he is, comes like, back, if this is it. But I don't no, I think he's but... in the finale or like the, in Maybe. the in the kind of like yeah. the the hell episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she like is is absorbing all of this, um, and we've seen her taking digs at Hollyhock throughout the season about her weight, and then you know we find out that leads to her drugging her and stuff like that. But yeah, through her whole childhood, discouraged from emotion, discouraged, you know, fat phobia, bullying, you know, all that stuff, yeah. and, then and then that then, leads then... through to like she does seem a remarkably well adjusted teen or early but she still does she still does the rebellion thing where like she Mm -hmm. does what her father wants but the moment she gets an opportunity to rebel by meeting butterscotch horseman (laughs) she immediately is like i'm gonna go shag you in a car and then get pregnant and ruin my father's plans for me (laughs) to marry into the to the The creamerman yeah the sugarman creamerman like coalition um we've heard will arnett do butterscotch horseman for like harsh one-liners before what do you think of him in like extended talking scenes 
I, mean, I think he's actually like managed to find a way to differentiate the voices like pretty mm-hmm. effectively. Like he adds a little bit more gruffness. To it's his. difficult because your go-to to sound older is to like be really gruff and really you know no pun intended hoarse. But like he's already so high on that level <laughs> already, and yeah. then I feel he hams it up a bit for Bojack. To, so to find a, another level like must have been difficult. But yeah, I I, I really like you know this is a tale as old as time like. He is this wanky, dreamy writer, or he wants to be a writer. Like, he clearly hasn't ever actually really written anything. And, like, I think she likes him because he's a bit rough, you know? And, like, he he is, like, conversationally charming that he can make a woman laugh, but then, like, he has no follow-through, you know? Like, he fake numbers her, He you know, just like Bojack does. He also knows about the stuff that she's, like, been reading about. So, like, when he comes in and he thinks that she won't know the beat poets and she knows all this stuff, I think it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I've not actually had a chance to talk about art with all these people who are, like, rich and kind of a little bit dumb. Yeah. And, like, look down on me because I'm a woman, but, like, maybe we can actually, like, talk about this stuff. But in that, of course, like, patronising way, it was like, you, and here's where you ask me, you know, like, what, what... where are those places and their, their writers and stuff and yeah, yeah like he he's like a bit of a dick but in a way that is appealing when you're like a teenager 20 something girl who is like just trying to find herself and then is having a prim perfect bubble wrapped world pushed on her yeah. and then yeah she goes um, and bangs him in the car and then when he when she tells him she's pregnant that like he paints the romantic picture of heading out west together and then just yeah, immediately goes to shit. And I and, the, and yeah, you get the. the I mean, the, the the one of them lying in bed, and he him just refusing to go take care of Bojack, <laughs> and her pleading with this child to to stop mm. crying, and that's what turns her on to like drugs and alcohol yeah. to basically just basically just take care of this make child. Make the headaches and, go away, like make looking after the child less of a, yeah, yeah. And, and his I mean, politics that, changing from like, oh yeah, scene to scene to scene where like, he's a hardcore like leftist writer and then he's like turned on his heroes and is like, well they're a bunch of commies and like, for it to end up with him saying that art should be straightforward and utilitarian and it's like this is the horror scape we're living in now where we're talking about fucking there are these dicks on the internet who want to take classical works and run them through AI and change their parameters and, and like, you know, just warping what art is meant to be and, like, Elon also the, is ruling the world. And, the, but also the old school idea that, like, oh, you'll get more right-wing as you grow up when you get money mm-hmm. and that thing is, like, he, he forgoes his artistic roots to basically take the, was it six-figure, seven-figure salary? I forget what I number they But whatever it is, it would have been more then than it is now. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and, but you, yeah, I mean, there's just so many good moments of, like, they, they mm-hmm. basically, he, he takes the job and immediately they live a better lifestyle um, yeah she's like oh (laughs) but then of course the cut from the cut from like when she like says to bojack is like i need you to grow up and be something worthwhile Mm -hmm. and then so like planting that like he must become famous and that defines who he is like seed and like you know we've seen scenes of them having a rager while he's just trying to be a kid but to have the extended like I'm not a baby, I'm seven, or whatever it is. And, like, having an actual conversation where he's being talked shit to, it's like, yeah, this is where the damage is happening. Like, and, and like, the other things where, like, she's never been kind to him at all, no. but she will be behind his back. And so you get, like, the, 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 the conversation they have after Horse and Around has ended and she's trying to give him a painting. Mm-hmm. And is basically talking about like why she never divorced her husband, and Bojack's just like that's a valid reason to to seek a divorce and all the rest of it. Yeah. But then you also get 
the the scenes in the nursing home and the scenes where she's talking to Henrietta and all the rest of it where mm-hmm. she knows Bojack episodes and like is exactly. recommending like, them she, and, she like, talks in... shit about the show to his face but like she's clearly watched it all and like she read his book and like she's not equipped to talk to him truthfully and like I my grandmother well, she was... thinks truthfully yeah thinks truthfully you have to be blunt and honest with them yeah in a way like you can't give them praise because that will yeah make them feel like they've succeeded and there's still room for them to yeah. go uh, yeah and it is, it is just such a tragedy of like like how these things can have a deep lasting and like it can become too late for you like my grandmother was raised in a very like victorian style home where like like their mother never hugged them and like she was the youngest of eight so she was very territorial and like she uh, yeah, yeah she was kind of a horrible woman so and like i don't mind saying that but like when she was like very not well towards the end of her life she had to ask my mother if like we would hug her kind of thing and like just the damage that shit does on people and it sounds fake but it's it's real and like that they are just not in a place where they can communicate on it like it's way too late for them and like bojack is trying to to find something in himself and like it's that you know we'll talk about it in in the later seasons but like it's like He's finally actually done the emotional work, but like he can never undo what he's done, and it's like. <laughs> um, but yeah, all of this is uh, is to do the reveal that like, uh, Butterscotch knocked up the housekeeper, and uh, Beatrice has been calling him Henrietta throughout the show in the present, and it turns out Henrietta was the housekeeper, and uh, yeah, that is Hollyhock's mother. So Hollyhock is not Bojack's daughter; she is his half sister, and. The stuff with, like, how they handle... Like, he makes Beatrice have the conversation with Henrietta about having an abortion. Beatrice, like, is the one that's in the hospital with her when she gives birth. And we see that no one was in the hospital with her when she gave birth. Because another thing of another time where, like, women were left to do that. And men (laughs) went and smoked cigars. And, like, to juxtapose the flashbacks of, like, her father taking the, the doll away from her and burning it with Henrietta pleading to hold Hollyhock just once or whatever, and she takes it away, and she takes her away kind of thing. It's just, like, it's yeah. all so, like, laser-guided. And the... and then also backing up with the fact that Beatrice turns to Henrietta and is just like, I want you to promise me that you will not give up your dreams mm-hmm. for this child. Just as her mother told her, like, promise me you won't do this. And, like, she does become a nurse, we find out. So she did do what she was told. And it's like, you know, who knows what damage is sitting with Henrietta out there in, in her own show in and, Minnesota. But it's this <laughs> like, incredibly astute thing of in terms of I mean, obviously, there's the old adage of, like, they fuck you up, your mum and dad. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of it feels like each parenting generation, they try to do the opposite of what they feel their parents did to fuck them up. And so Beatrice kind of comes at it from, like, my parents never did this for me. So therefore, you're going to take this, like, opposite view to what I... The complete opposite view to what I did. And there's no internal sense of compromise where maybe you can be a mother and also do your studies to become a nurse it'll be tough yeah yeah, it'll be oh, yeah. really hard to like do that thing but you do not have to yeah. not love your child because your your brother died and your mum got a lobotomy you mm. do not have to it's no, all part and parcel of like uh, no one talked about these things that were troubling them for an extremely long time and like 
you know, we have to work through our shit, everybody. That's what the show yeah. is about. <laughs> and, and the one thing I really like, which is kind of more of a, a, a seasonal thing, is I really like that even before the reveal that Bojack is uh, actually Hollyhock's sister, the relationship has always felt more like a sibling relationship. It has yeah. never felt like a, yeah. like a father-daughter relationship. He just, you know, he doesn't know how to be a dad, but he can be a, you know, he can finally... He basically treats her as like a friend he definitely doesn't want to sleep with, and like it's like ah, this is what a, an actual honest emotional relationship is like, Bojack. Yeah, it's real, and like you know the mysteries of like just really struggling to find who Bojack slept with nine months before she was born throughout this, you know, and they just really can't do it, and they try and open the adoption, and then we find out that obviously that got forwarded to Beatrice because she took care of everything so like the papers have just been sitting in their office in Bojack's living room the entire time yeah it's all really really good and the 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 sort of crushing final moment of like you know he's dumped her in this terrible nursing home she becomes lucid for a second and he just lies to her and tells her she's at the old Sugarman place and he does her a final kindness of like like throwing in all these like details that he's learned from going to the old Sugarman place and everything so is it her funeral or his funeral that it's it's her funeral in in Frichero. Right, right yeah so like the implication here and i think it is true is like this is the last time he sees her and he he dumps her there but you know he had this dream of telling her like if she became lucid enough he would tell her fuck you and he doesn't do that he kind of does her a kindness and it's just yeah, yeah just all the themes all the writing it's all led to all of it and yeah i it yeah. is interesting where like this, this isn't i mean obviously we're we're getting ahead on season 5 now but like it's <laughs> twice now where the show will have this kind of like final final moment with a character and ultimately the yeah. funeral will come like five episodes after yeah. this point yeah. like like the, the relationship is done at this point and like, but that thing is like when is the when is the f bomb in this season because obviously like they they withhold them i can't remember if anyone actually uh, says it's, it's whenever they go five. to the to the <clears throat> nursing home because bojack says that that is his dream to say hey mom yes. fuck you i can't remember which episode that is in it's not the same as previous seasons, is it? Where like it, this isn't the sign of like a, I guess it is the dissolution of the the relationship, but it's in a different way to how it has been in previous seasons. Yeah, yeah, like it, it, it is Bojack drawing a line under his relationship with his mother, but it's not yeah. Todd or Charlotte or or yeah. Herb kind of like telling it's, it to Bojack. Yeah, it's an episode five of Some Thoughts and Prayers that he tries to put on this elaborate show to trick her into thinking it's a real episode of Horsing Around. So that she will get with it enough, that, and like you think it's so that he could like talk things through with her. And he's like, no, I I want to tell her fuck you, but I can't tell her fuck you when she's not with it because that doesn't mean anything. He wants her to know that she fucked him up. Yeah, all real good. Um, Hollyhock is an angel throughout. I didn't even really notice until this rewatch that they start to draw her skinnier and skinnier each time. Until it's it's when you see the flashback of like. Like, when he puts it all together and they've drawn her much heavier. And it's like, oh shit, yeah, they have been doing that. And there's something really, really dark about when she does pass out. She's, like, waving her phone around in front of her face and she manages to catch herself just for, like, a half second in a selfie that's coherent. And then she passes out on the floor. It's like, I, I don't know, there's something really haunting about that to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, before I just, we... Just, I, I want to finish off with one thing. So, yes. So before we end, uh, Bojack Horseman this season received mm. three 
nominations at the Annies. I think it won a couple of things. I think WGA gave uh, Owen Ward a stupid piece of shit, but there were three Annie mm-hmm. nominations. And probably two of those are for stupid piece of shit very uh-huh. obviously i think like that is one that resonated with an awful lot of people uh for stupid piece of shit they get nominated for outstanding achievement in editorial right so obviously editing an episode which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. for for that episode it is also nominated in best general audience animated television broadcast production so basically best episode of a of an animated show in that year in which it is nominated against big mouth i am am i gay what is that <laughs> Uh, the Big Mouth episode, the episode I am oh, gay. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was like, what show is I am gay? Right, okay. Right. Big Mouth am I gay? Uh, Bojack Horseman's You Piece of Shit, Rick and Morty, Pickle Rick, Robot Chicken, Freshly Baked, the Robot Chicken Santa Claus Pot Cookie Freakout Special, Special Edition. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Samurai Jack, uh, I'm not going to translate the Roman numerals, XCIII. So, right. Of right. course, it loses to Pickle Rick. Of course, of course. Uh, the Pickle true Rick broke Rick and Morty forever, um, <laughs> is the thing. Anyway. Uh, but ultimately, though, the, the, the one that I want, we're going to play a game here uh-huh. is one Bojack performance received outstanding achievement for voice acting in an animated television show for this year. Who do you think it is? Amy Sedaris. It's not Amy Sedaris. Oh, I thought that's how you were trying to set it up as a segue. It's like all her work with the... No, uh, no, no. It will make more sense as a post-segue. Yeah. Uh, is it Matthew Broderick? It's not Matthew Broderick. <sighs> One last guess. Will Arnett? No, it is Wendy Malick. Oh, okay. Wendy Malick gets a nomination for Beatrice in Time's Arrow, which yeah, makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up against Jeremy Rowley as Bunsen in Bunsen is a Beast. Um, <laughs> no idea what that show is. <laughs> Chris Diamondopoulos in uh, Mickey Mouse in uh, the Mickey Mouse show. Uh-huh. Uh, Nicholas Cantu was Gumball in the Amazing World of Gumball, and the winner in what might be the most depressing thing because it's not even for an episode, as far as I can tell. It's Tom Kenny as SpongeBob, <sighs> and it's like some real bullshit. Like you are really coming to me in 2018 and giving an award to Tom Kenny for voicing a character he's been doing for 20 years at that point, mm-hmm. like. I don't know the history of the Annies at this point. Maybe this is the first time they've given Tom Kenny this award, and it's like a massive. I makeup doubt award. it because, like, yeah, like he was looming large in the two thousands, let alone twenty eighteen, and like that. It's four kind of like generic cartoons, and then it's like, oh, and you know that big episode where Wendy Malick was like, you know, fucking, <laughs> where's my Emmy kind of thing. Oh, that's gross. Right, we've had a lot of heavy stuff. We've had a lot of bad news there from the Annies of 2018. I'm sure I'll continue to be disappointed by the Annies. It's time for our other most favourite segment of the show. It's Tongue Twisters. And let me tell you, putting Courtney Portnoy in the show sure did produce a lot of these to the point I had to delete a bunch off the list because there's just too many. But something as simple as Courtney... as Something as simple as Portney, <laughs> I know, right? Something as simple as Portney finds finds joy in hoi polloi boy toy is is good, but there is an absolutely insane one that you're going to do. Uh, <sighs> do you have it in front of you? I've got it in front of me. Okay. You know Courtney Portnoy. You probably recall when she soared as a thorny horticulturist in one sordid fortnight with a short-skirted sorceress. How would you enjoy joining? How would you enjoy joining Portnoy? For a scorched soy porterhouse pork four corsa at Koi. Glorify your sauce, but don't make it feel forced, of course, and try the borscht. 
Well done. Well done. I have a couple. Which is, which is, which is them trying to convince Diane to go interview Courtney Portnoy. Um. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple that I will try. But Courtney, more importantly, audiences are going to adore your tour de force performance as the forceful denim-clad court reporter and the court reporter sported jorts, the jet-setting jort-sporting court reporter story. And corpse me if you can-can, the 1940s can-france set story of a can-can dancer who contracts cancer but continues to can-can as a canny cadaver who plays the accordion with Kevin Corrigan, Kevin Klein, Chris Klein, Chris Pine, and Chris Catan. Amy <sighs> Sedaris is a goddamn hero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Because these are so hard, and like we flubbed them like right there with them written in front of us. Amazing stuff. Right, that is another excellent season of Bojack behind us. Uh, possibly the best one. We'll find out next week uh, as we get into season five. It is time for John Filbert to do stuff. He's a man out yeah. of time. Bo- <laughs> Bojack's third show as the lead. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm really if we excited. Don't, to... If we don't include the aborted pilot for for Ethan around, <laughs> yeah, we never know what happened there, do we? I don't know. We'll find out. We, and yeah, no, that's <laughs> it's like there's there's almost no of anyone else from horsing around this season. Like this is the most, other than the stuff with Beatrice, and even then, the one they bring in to do the voices on it is mm. Sarah Lynn. Yeah. Like Sarah Lynn is the the character, and yeah. I. And just a one final thing, I do always enjoy when you can tell where in the in the run of Bojack Horseman they are with how aged up Sarah Lynn is in mm-hmm. the in the various clips. Did you notice that he's um, changed but... his, his ringtone at the end from the horse and around theme to uh, just a generic ringtone? I hadn't. Ah, well, yeah. He's finally left horse and around behind. Maybe it's a one time thing and he goes back to it, but yeah, he's had that like midi version of the horse and around theme as his as his uh, ringtone and it isn't anymore and as he left horse and around behind we must leave behind season four look ahead to season five this is a long one but it's because it is a a big 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 one uh and there's a reason season six is split in half but next week season five we're looking forward to it thank you for your efforts your incredible memory benjamin phillips thank you thank you and uh until next time suck a dick dumb shits (laughs) 